Hey, welcome to Beyond Online and thanks so much for tuning in. Regardless of where you're tuning in from, whether you're on your couch like me, whether you're snuggled up in your comfy bed or maybe some of you are actually watching this when you're in the toilet. And don't cringe at me, you know you take your phone into the bathroom as well. Wherever you're tuning in from, we want to say we're so glad to have you here. We're actually wrapping up a conversation today that we've been having for the last couple of weeks called Address the Mess. And if you haven't um, been here for those parts of the conversation, then you can go to our podcast or to our SoundCloud. Just type in Beyond Church AU on either of those platforms and you'll be able to catch up on parts one, two, and three. And the reason that we've been having this conversation over the last couple of weeks is because the reality of life is we've all got messes. But over the last couple of weeks, uh, your life, I would guess, has recently got a whole lot messier. Some of the messes that were in your life a couple of months ago look completely different now. For some of you right now, some of the messes that you're looking at is you've lost a job. Maybe you're a business owner and unfortunately you've had to let people go from your business. Maybe you're behind on rent or the mortgage payments or for some of you, you might've had to delay a wedding or another big event. And the reason that your life has got a whole lot messier over the last couple of months is because the world has gotten a whole lot messier. With the onset of COVID-19, we've had people losing their jobs. We've had things like toilet paper shortages. Shops are now putting limits on the amount of items that you can buy because people have just been hoarding so much stuff. And really what I want to talk about to you and whoever's watching with you today online or whoever you've shared this with, what I really want to talk to you about is the er, the messy er that we're going to be talking about because it's the er that can make some of our messes messier. Right, because every mess has some bad options. Let me give you an example. When I was 12, with zero cooking experience, I thought it would be fantastic while I was on holidays to make some toffee. Now, I don't know what the ingredients are in toffee. I don't remember from back then. But all I know is that toffee, uh, when it's set, is very, very hard and very, very sticky. And so I decided while while my parents were out um, to make some toffee on our electric stovetop. And I don't know what was in there, but everything kind of started to bubble over. And I knew right then I had a mess on my hands because this, this toffee was everywhere over our electric stovetop. But then the mess got a little bit messier because the toffee, once it kind of uh, bubbled over from the saucepan, it started to kind of crystallize and harden all over this electric stovetop. And right then, because my prefrontal cortex wasn't fully developed because I was a 12-year-old boy, I decided, you know what's going to be a really, really good option? is if I take a knife and chip away at the toffee that was on top of this stovetop. So when my mom came home, I had cleaned up the mess, but I had now had destroyed half of her electric stovetop. Sorry, mom. See, the reason I share that story is you can actually make a mess messier by taking a bad option. And in our time together, what I want to do is I want to bring you in on the life of a historical figure called David. And I want to connect some of the messes that were going on in David's life to some of the messes that are going on in our life right now. And I want to help you not make your mess messier by taking a bad option. But if you don't know this person called David, um, maybe you would have heard of David, even if you're kind of new to the whole faith thing or new to Christianity or just stopping by for the very first time. And if you are stopping by for the very first time, we're so glad that you're tuning in. We really hope hope that this content is helpful for you. But David, you might have heard because this is the same David as in David and Goliath. The the young shepherd boy who 
killed the giant. But David's story doesn't start with him killing a giant on a battlefield. Instead, David's story actually begins as a lowly shepherd boy on his dad's farm. And one day out of nowhere, a prophet by the name of Samuel comes onto the property and he tells David's father, hey, one of your sons is going to be the king of Israel. And he finds David and he said, this is the boy who's going to be the king of Israel. Now, there's a problem with that because Israel already had a king and their king's name was Saul. And you can't have two kings of a country. But word got out. David's name began to spread. David kind of became like an influencer and and mumblings began to happen that there's going to be a new king of Israel. And Saul, understandably, got jealous. Saul, understandably, wanted to know who is this shepherd boy that is supposedly going to be the king of Israel. And David continued to succeed in everything he did. For the Lord was with him. This is Samuel who's writing um, these events as he's watching them. He says this and he observes this. But this is Saul's reaction to David's success. You see, when Saul recognized this, he became even more afraid of him. Right? Because when you're the king, you want to be able to control anyone else who might take over your throne. And so Saul's way of controlling David was to kind of say, hey, you know what? Maybe if I can get David to marry one of my daughters, then David will be my son-in-law and I'll have a degree of control over David's life. And so Saul offered one of his daughters to David and said, hey, David, would you like to marry one of my daughter daughters? But David's response was that he was too lowly of a shepherd boy to ever possibly marry into the king's family. And so David's profile was raised more because word got out and people began to say, hey, can, can you believe it? Can you believe that David refused to marry into the king's house? What what a humble person and his name uh, and his profile was lifted. And time went on and David did fall in love. And as fate would have it, he actually fell in love with another one of the king's daughters, Michael. And David went to Saul and and, and said, hey, I want to marry your daughter. And Saul said, well, there's going to be a cost. Something's going to be required of you, David, if if you want to marry my daughter. I want the heads of a hundred dead Philistines. And the reason that Saul put this barbaric charge out there is because what he thought is like, David doesn't have an army. And David doesn't have any people. David's going to march into the, the, the country where the Philistines are and he's going to be killed. And I won't have to worry about him anymore. But David brought 200 Philistine heads back. And when that happened, Saul became even more afraid of him. And he remained David's enemy for the rest of his life. Now, where David's story connects with our story, my story, and and your story, is that for a few months ago, many of your messes were actually your messes. You created them. You were the main catalyst in a lot of your messages. But right now, a lot of your messes aren't your own doing. You find yourself in a mess, but you didn't have a hand in creating that mess. And that's the same situation that David finds himself in. David didn't kill Goliath for fame. He did it out of patriotic duty. David didn't say no to the the king's daughter um, for fame. He did it because he was being honest. David didn't want to anger Saul by 
bringing 200 Philistine headroom. He was just doing what he was asked. And as tensions began to escalate between David and Saul, it eventually came to a boiling point. And one day in the palace, Saul tries to kill David by throwing a spear at him and David flees for his life. He heads, um, he flees into the wilderness. And if maybe right now you've got your phone out or you're in another tab of Google looking at something or maybe you're listening to music, I want you to tune back in because this is where the story gets really, really interesting. You see, after Saul returned from fighting the Philistines, he was told that David had gone into the wilderness of En Gedi. So David had been hiding in the wilderness and Saul had been out fighting the Philistines. Saul comes back and he thinks, and, and one of his messengers said, hey, here's an opportunity. We've seen David. You can finally get him. You can finally kill him. He's hiding out with his band of merry men in the desert of En Gedi. So Saul chose 3,000 elite troops from all over Israel and went to search for David and his men near the rocks of the wild goats. Now, just in case you're not familiar with the geography of that area, it's a barren desert wilderness. There's, there's high mountain ridges with caves all around them. And then there would have been these ravines that wove their way down to the floor. This is the kind of desolate wilderness that we're working in. And at the place where the road passes the sheepfold, Saul went in the cave to relieve himself. Now, this is the only place in the Bible where it talks about someone going to the toilet. But Saul actually walks into this place to go to the bathroom to relieve himself. But his fate would have it, David and his men were hiding farther back in that very cave. And the reason that they were hiding is because David had scouts of his own. And some of David's scouts would have come to David and said, hey, Saul's coming. If we jump up into these caves and we hide right in the very, very back, Saul's men will pass through the valley. And then when they've passed through the valley, we can leave the other way. And people, and, and David now has had Saul walk into the cave. Imagine if that was you. The person who has made your life a mess walks into the cave where you're hiding. And David's men says to him, now's your opportunity, they whispered. Today the Lord is telling something to you. And what he's telling you is I will certainly put your enemy into your power to do with as you wish. You see, these men that David had with, no doubt they'd heard the story of Samuel coming to David's father's place when he was a little boy. And they were saying, David, here's the opportunity. Here's the opportunity you have to become king. Now, I just want to pause the story there and, and, and we're going to come back to it. Um, but in just a minute, but I, I want to share with you this, this thing called virtue. And it's a word that we don't really use that much these days. Virtue is this thing. It's, it's self-control. It's integrity. It's a high moral code. It's not stealing when you have the opportunity to and get away with it. It's not cheating when you have the opportunity to and get away with it. But virtue is so, so important for this story right now with David because everyone looking in on David's situation would have said, hey, David, if you're going to do something to Saul, what you're about to do is okay to do. We can empathize with you. We can understand why you might take this opportunity that your men are whispering in your ear. But here's the big idea before we join back up with the story for today. And I don't want you to miss it. Is if you ignore virtue, you will eventually make 
a mess. And David is on the verge of making a decision that will make his mess either messier or he could act in a virtuous way. Let's jump back into the story. It says, so David crept forward. Now, David right now is in his element because David's growing up, has grown up. David's a warrior. He's in the dark. David could have easily crept up on Saul, unsheathed his knife. Saul would have felt a tug from his shoulder and that would have been the last thing he would have ever felt. Now, here's the challenging thing for us looking in on this story in this moment. Is if David was to take Saul's life, would his actions have been justified? We could look in and say, yeah. Would they have been expected? Of course. But would they have been virtuous? Absolutely not. Could you imagine if you're in David's shoes and and one day your grandchild is sitting on your lap and they ask you, granddaddy, how did you become king? And you have to tell the story. Well, the current king was in a cave and I did something not so virtuous. And this is what David did. So David crept forward and cut off a piece of Saul's robe. David decided the kind of story that he wanted to tell. And eventually what ends up happening in this story is that Saul leaves the cave. He travels down into the valley and David emerges from the cave. And he calls down to Saul's men from a distance. And he holds up the piece of cloth. And everyone in that moment would have known what had transpired in the cave. Everyone would have known that David had an opportunity to take Saul's life, but he chose not to. So where does that leave us? Like it's, it's cool, Chris. It's a great story about someone like so many thousand years ago. But, but where does that leave me today if I'm tuning in? Well, here's where it leaves us is that every mess comes pre-packaged with some bad options. Perhaps right now in your life, you're being faced with more messes than you've ever faced before. And within each one of those messes, each one of those messes comes pre-packaged with some bad options that you can take. And, And here's the thing, here's where it gets really, really tricky, is that choosing one of those bad options, even if you choose one of those bad options, people will say, hey, that's justified. People will say, hey, that's expected. Maybe you can even justify taking some of those bad options yourself. But the reality is those options are not virtuous. So here's what I want you to do. Here's my challenge for you. And if you're just kind of new tuning in with us, we kind of package our challenges in the form of a full Monday. Because we say there's no point tuning in if you're not... Tuning in doesn't help you live a better life if it doesn't change your life for the rest of the week. So this week's For Monday is I want you to opt for virtue over your first option. Through this season particularly, if you're watching this while the COVID-19 crisis is going on, you are going to have a whole lot of temptation. You are going to have a whole lot of messes that you're going to have to deal with. And in those times, what I want you to do is I want you to quickly take a moment. I want you to breathe. And I want you to choose virtue. And here's why that matters. 
Because your response to the mess is the real story. Your mess is not your story. But our responses become part of our story. One day, you'll be asked about your response to some of the messes in your life. And here's what I want more than ever for you. I want your story to be a story worth telling. And your response to the mess determines whether your story is a story worth telling. And so in this season, I want you to opt for virtue over your first option. And let's just make this really personal as we, as we wrap up this conversation. Because this applies to you whether you're a follower of Jesus or not. The reality is COVID-19 will pass. I'm not a doctor. I don't have a, a ball to look into the future. I can't tell you when. I can't tell you how. But, but we know that COVID-19 will pass. And when the story of COVID-19 is just a story, let's make sure our stories, let's make sure your story is a story worth telling. And we begin to do that right now by opting for virtue over our first option. It's not easy, but David did it and you can do it as well. I'd love to pray for you before we tune out. Jesus, over this time, as difficult as it may be, as challenging as it may be, help us to opt for virtue over our first option. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.